Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Green and Growing Podcast. I am here with a good friend of mine from Minnesota, Miss Jennifer McCauley, and we have known each other our whole teaching careers. Um, we teach within the same region, and so I've had the pleasure of being able to work with her in many different capacities. And today we are going to talk about something a little fishy trout in the classroom. I know that was cheesy. I'm sorry. My dad is a dad joke guy. So, <laughs> um, Jen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about the school that you teach at and the community that you're in. Absolutely. Thanks Hannah for the introduction and thanks green and growing for being here with us today. Um, so I am Jennifer McCulley. I have been teaching for nine years, teach at the same school that, um, I've been in for this past nine years. I, um, teach at Mora High School in Minnesota, and I kind of grew up into the field of agriculture education, actually a roundabout way. I did not know what FFA was or teaching ag even was until college, and I wanted to be a veterinarian, and it chemistry kicked my butt. So then I changed to different degrees and then I wanted to be an F or a 4-H extension educator and then student teaching changed my mind. So I've definitely loved and enjoyed this past nine years. It's been a whirlwind and it's been really fun. So you recently have got involved with a program called Trout in the Classroom. Tell us a little bit like high level, what is Trout in the Classroom? Perfect. So Trout in the Classroom is through the Trout Unlimited program, and this is a semi-national program, meaning there are 30, around 35 different states that do the Trout in the Classroom program. Um, and I started last year, right during COVID, right during the fun of this. And um, the program is an education program where we, as teachers and educators, actually receive supplies for raising trout. We receive trout eggs and then um, we raise them up. We get a bunch of different education pieces and we're able to have them and have our students interact with them on a daily basis. So thinking about the program, kind of walk us through what it looks like in a year um, with, getting, with, with working with this program and what it looks like for your students. Perfect. So this is Minnesota um, based kind of how I know there is, like I said, 35 different states that do this program. Um, so I did a little bit of research on some other ones. Some call it salmon in the classroom, some call it trout in the classroom. So it just varies on what is native to your state. But here in Minnesota, um, we actually start the program officially in like April and May, that is when we can sign up with the program and get started and learning about it. And then over the summer months, we actually do a training that we can go and meet with the Trout Unlimited program and learn about how we keep these fish alive. Um, we go through different teaching lessons that we can bring into the classroom. We learn about different, um, we have some fly fishing um, specialists in our area. So we work with them to learn a little bit more of just fishing in general. So then we can bring that back to our classroom. And then we receive all of our supplies in August, September timeline. And then we are 
doing a monthly like web webinar where we can learn little pieces throughout this year as well that we just didn't want to fit into one big piece in the summer. Um, then we are setting up our fish tanks come November. That is then so we can get our water acclimated, get a nitrogen cycle started. My students actually set up the whole entire tank. I literally give them the box of the filter and say, okay, you get to do this. Um, we then make those connections to our students of like, okay, this is the filter. And then how is that related to the fish in their in the wild and their habitat? Um, so we make those connections for our students. So then they're seeing why we put in every little thing in our um, trout tank and why we don't put in other things. Um, so it just brings it all full circle. At, in Minnesota, then we actually get our um, trout eggs in December. Um, they are the cute little trout eggs you see in Finding Nemo. Um, so they are a little orange, um, a leaven, and they are um, able to then be put in our tank. We have to do a little acclimation process that the students are involved in, depending on what time we get them at our school. Um, and from there, we wait for those trout to hatch. It takes sometimes only a few days. Sometimes it takes up to two weeks, depending on the water temperature and the water chemistry that our tank has at that given time. Um, so you're able to kind of speed up the process by warming or cool cooling down the water a little bit more and everything. Um, and then they're just able to hatch. Our students are then watching the hatching process. We are watching the behaviors of the fish. We, um, they actually go through and make sure we don't have dead fish. We don't have any type of fungus happening or any type of weird behaviors happening as these fish are hatching. And then as the program happens, or as the semester happens, we are able to um, just have the students keeping an eye on them, doing water quality testing on a regular basis and so on. Um, and then once the fish are a little bit bigger, we are bringing them to a local lake and we are able to release them in the lake. When we go to our lake, um, a lot of times the Trout Unlimited program programmers are able to come with us. So they provide a little um, program for the students. They do water quality testing at the actual lake. So we can kind of talk about how that relates to how our fish tank was the whole entire year and so on. And then the students are able to put these cute little fingerling fish that are usually around two to three inches into the lake and send them on their way. Um, I am doing this program as well, Trout in the Classroom, and I feel like that's the most anticlimactic part. It sounds so exciting to let the trout, trout go and you put them in the water and they're gone and they're like, wait, wh wh what? Like, where'd my fish go? It's like, they're in the water, they're good now. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but it's so cool for students to be able to see that process. Um, Right now in our tank, we've had, um, you know, new students in my class now, new semester, so they didn't get to see the fish in the beginning. But some of those kids that have stuck with me for the year are like, oh my gosh, how did they go from this little tiny egg to now they're like, 
you know, close to an inch long. And it's like, yeah, this is a really cool process to watch up close. Um, and we think about like a lot of students have seen a fish before, but not this whole process of like the little eggs and what they look like when they hatch out the leave-in, like floating on their side with a little weird tail and stuff. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I have students, we have a semester switch too right now. So I have students that are coming in and checking on them on a couple day basis and just are, are they doing okay what's happening what are yeah. what's going on and they yeah. absolutely love it um you talked a little bit about this about how your students are engaged in the process like setting up the tank feeding um checking the the different levels of um, nitrogen and um, ammonia and ph in your tank is there other things that you are doing to engage the students utilizing the trout Absolutely. Um, so I teach a fishing and aquatics class, and that class was 100% on those fish. Um, so they did a little bit of a behavior study. So they looked at just fish behaviors and did a little research on just what are typical trout behaviors. Are they grouping fish? Are they schooling? Are they like, what type of behaviors do they have? And then we watched our fish as they started and started to get to know each other and get to like start um, exploring the tank. So then they were able to just kind of document behaviors, talk about what it looks like and how it would differentiate in the wild versus in our fish tank. I also have um, a student this semester, since I, my fishing and aquatics class was first semester, so they got to do all the setup pieces and watch them hatch. But now um, I don't have a um, fish specific class. So I actually have a student that is doing their SAE and independent study with me. So he is fully in charge of the trout tank now. He just comes to me for ideas. I kind of gave him a weekly schedule and now it is 100% his. Um, so he's able to do some testing on a regular basis. Right now, our nitrate levels are really big. So then he um, came to me and said, okay, what do we do? And I had him research what about nitrate and what is happening and everything. So he's really enjoying that. Um, we're going to start looking at measuring how fast they're growing as well. So he's going to be doing a um, general research on how fast they should grow and how fast they could grow. And then he's going to be taking out a sampling of them every week and actually measuring how long they are and even weighing them out to see how big they're getting and how fast they're actually growing. So then we can keep that data the rest of the semester and kind of give like an average weekly rate of gain for our fish tank and so on. Um, we have right now, so we actually were given 308 eggs at the beginning of the cycle this year, and we are around that 280 right now. We actually had a fungus go through our eggs right as hatching started. Um, so we had a little bit of an upset there. And then just as nature has it, we sometimes lose some fish, whether it's um, the fish eating, eating each other, like the smaller ones and so on. Sometimes we've definitely caught a fish in the act where there was a tail coming out of the mouth of another one. Um, but the students just love all the different pieces. We do um, trout habitats with my um, fishing and aquatics class. So they're looking at, they actually build little trout habitats um, and we look at the stream flow, we look at all the different pieces and tie in our own fish. 
I really love the nature of the program where it is um, like stuff pops up and happens and you, you have to kind of figure it out. And thinking about having a student who's doing an independent study and a student who's doing his SAE on it. It's like that is so great because we have had some similar things like I came back one day after the weekend and there was like brown foam on the top and we had a ton like 30 dead fish. We're like, something is wrong. We need to do some research and figure out what's going on. Um, and having kind of those students that are engaged to be like, okay, you are, we need to figure this out. You are in charge, do some research, figure out what we need to do. Um, and then there's that piece of like the scientific method, like trial and error. Let's try this. Let's see if it works. It did work. Okay. Why did it work? Um, and so I love those, those pieces that have popped up. Um, one thing that we did that I, we weren't able to do it this year, but the first year that we did try out in the classroom, um, is we were able to go to a local Creek, um, Minnehaha Creek, which is right in St. Paul, like urban setting. And the kiddos got to put on waders and they went into the Creek and they used kick nets to, um, kick up the the muck at the bottom of this the stream and it, what it does is catches macro invertebrates so they pull the nets out they lay them out and then we put them in this little tiny tub so you can find like the caddis flies and the different macro invertebrates and different macro invertebrates are um like more or less um T tolerant of pollution and so when you find certain ones and not other ones you can you can determine the levels of pollution within the creek um and my my students thought that was the coolest thing ever and i did too because they were in the water they were like so engaged but then we were able to relate it back to something that's like very tangible in our classroom as well um, and I know, I think you got some like waiters and stuff like that, maybe to do something similar. Um, but yeah. yes, we actually have a lake literally in our backyard. We can actually walk out my school, walk right to the back of the building and walk into a lake. Um, so we put together a, um, donors choose project this year and got raised around $500 and was able to buy more, um, water quality testing kits for out at the lake as well as a bunch more waiters for our students. So yes, we do the macroinvertebrate study as well with the class. And yes, they absolutely love finding those little bugs. Even the girls that are super scared of those crawly little bugs will eventually put them on, on their hands. Um, so that's a good tie-in, um, the water quality. And we do that right before we start even doing our testing with our um, fish tank. Another little piece that I didn't think about just yet is the um, trainings that our program does. They also supply a full manual for us. Um, a lot of the states will provide a manual and they are really easy to follow through. I was even printing out certain pages and just handing them to my students and saying, this is what we have to do right now. So please work it out. I know a lot of different states do that manual um, and our national team actually works together sometimes. Right now there's um, some water chemistry pieces that are um, not working out for some groups and they actually just sent us some information. I think it was from Maryland um, Trout in the Classroom program. Um, so we share within our whole entire group as well. 
And I think one of the other really cool things with the program is that, at least for me, and I'm sure it's probably for you as well, is I'm really able to meet some of the needs of my students who who have, have those special needs. So some of my special ed education students, some of my English language learners, um, it seems like something that's like very tangible for them and it's really easy for them to be able to help um, and feel successful. So whether they're just like taking a few pinches of food and feeding and like it's something that they can see the fish come up to the surface and they can observe or if they're um, vacuuming out the rocks on the bottom of the tank, it's very easy for them to do, um, but it feels like a um, like they've accomplished something. And I have a lot of those students who have um, have been very engaged in the process. Um, and I, I would say our state has done a really great job of, of like our manual and setup because I've had some of my students who um, are not typically engaged in like classroom content that I gave the manual to and they set up the fish tank. So I love that piece of like the increased engagement with some of our students that maybe are not always so engaged. Um, so if someone is like, this sounds so good, I want it for my classroom. Um, I know you did a little bit of research. How do or how can someone get connected and started? Absolutely. Um, so if you go to the website troutintheclassroom.org, O-R-G. Um, they have their main website and they have state specific resources. So you can find your state and see how it starts and how it works with different states. A lot of them seemed pretty easy to be able to go to their specific link and contact somebody. Um, some of them have a, had a Google form to fill out at any time. Some of them had a specific application. Um, so it was really easy. Again, troutintheclassroom.org. And after you kind of get your specific states, then they have a bunch of different resources of like, okay, here's an Instagram page for this and make sure you follow these because we have lots of extra resources and so on to be able to um, have the best opportunities for your students and education. And I would encourage you too that um, Trout in, or Trout Unlimited is the one that like sponsors the Trout in the Classroom. So even if you don't see your state, I would maybe just connect with Trout Unlimited and see if they've they've thought about the program or maybe they have some connections to be able to help you individually. Um, the Absolutely. cool thing. The cool thing about it is it's like it's trial and error, and you're gonna lose some fish. Like that's just the that's just nature, like you said. Um, and so it's. It feel it might feel a little bit stressful, but it really is this really kind of low risk. Take it as it comes. Learn as you go. Um, the first year, there's a great learning curve, and then and then Absolutely. you you um, can really turn it over to your students and make it something that that's theirs and they have ownership in. Absolutely. Another little piece that I wanted to comment on is um, we work a lot with like we work with the DNR to make this program work and we actually have to get a permit through the DNR to even raise them and then release them. Um, but we always want to make sure that people, our um, community, and anybody that we're working with know that it is not a stocking program, at least here in Minnesota. I don't know exactly how every state runs it, um, but some people have been concerned with us releasing our rainbow trout 
into certain areas. Um, so we are given that a little bit of education to be able to talk to the community about the program um, and know that it is a not a stocking program. I actually work with our local fishery supervisor um, and she actually comes in and talks to my students. So that was another great connection that I was given to have her come in, not just to talk about the trout that we have, but her job and her career and what they do um, with the DNR as well and the fisheries program. Yeah, I, that's a great point. And the, like, we have to send in a certain amount of fish to get disease tested and all of that stuff too. So it's really interesting. Like we are in our fish and wildlife class are talking about like invasive species right now. Hannah, we froze up. Not sure if you can hear me. I can. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's really funny, too, because for me, at least right now, you're still like frozen up top. So there's two of you. One's yeah. frozen and one's not. Why does that? The other one should go away in a second. Uh, okay. <laughs> hopefully, that's saved to the cloud. Oh, it's still recording because you're still here. I'll have to edit that out. Perfect. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about diseases and disease testing, but in my fish and wildlife class, we have been talking about um, invasive species, diseases, things like that, that happen in our wildlife and fish like populations. And so that was a really cool thing to like tell them we have to send in so many fish for testing. Why do you think that is like, what are the reasons why we would have to do that before we re release this, these fish, these 200 fish into the wild? Absolutely. So there are certain diseases that the fish can carry. Um, I, if I, ugh, now I got to think about it because I haven't refreshed my memory as it comes close, but I believe there's like actually a kidney disease that the fish can get. Um, so the pro, the fisheries that we actually get the eggs from, they have to be disease tested and clean for a certain amount of years before we even use them as a, um, location and provider for us. So we do in general know that these fish should be fairly disease free, but we also know things can just happen. Um, just for example, this year we had a fungus happen in our eggs and everything. Um, and that came from a completely clean area. Um, so then the disease testing that we have to do, we have to send it in starting, I believe in March and they takes a couple, um, weeks for the process to happen and they have to take in a decent amount that actually we send in they upped it even this year on us and it's usually around like 25 to um around that 25 per like a hundred fish i think it is or something around along those lines that we actually have to send in they do the testing just to make sure that we are not putting out any type of diseases to the lakes and our streams and our actual ecosystem. Cause that in a sense is, you know, um, putting in a something into our environment that could potentially harm any fish that are already there in the ecosystem. 
Yeah, I just, I, it makes me so excited to talk about it because there's so many different pieces that come up that are teachable moments to incorporate into your classroom, whether you have a fish and wildlife class or you don't. I would say my egg business kids right now are more interested in the fish than sometimes my fish and wildlife students are. Um, so just having that tank in the classroom. Um, one other thing that I thought of because this Friday I did it is when you do the water change outs, being able to utilize the water from the tank to water plants in your classroom or whatever else. I just did a huge like all call to the school like who wants nutrient rich fish water to water your plants um, is a really cool way to, to in engage students and engage your your greater school staff community um, on what is happening in your classroom. Are there any other cool pieces that I missed, Jen? Um, I don't think there's any like specifically cool pieces, but I do know like our program, um, the cost for it, something that we didn't talk about just yet. We usually on a regular year, year will have a grant that provides most of it. This past year, we no longer got that grant. So a lot of the cost is going more towards the teachers. Um, but they still are providing um, the resources and everything and a little bit of that startup pieces because every few years there's teachers that are deciding not to do the program anymore. So we return the materials and equipment um, so then new teachers can get that equipment as well. Um, they do say a 75 gallon tank and the filters and the chiller, um, because the tank water has to be cold and everything is around that $1,300 startup, um, give or take, depending on donations and grants and everything that you can get. Um, and then the supplies each year, our program does supply all the food um, for our fish for the whole entire year that um, we're able to get right off the bat. So another little piece that we should talk about. Yeah, that's important. I know that we've been lucky to have some funds to be able to, to get those big pieces of equipment into our classroom, um, but definitely something for teachers to think about and, and probably is different in each state depending on what grants they get or um, have available. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing information about Trout in the Classroom and how people can get started. Is there a way people can connect with you on social media? Absolutely. Um, I have an Instagram as well as a Facebook that um, I have a personal one that I do all agriculture education. <laughs> Her dog is just talking to her right now. He's <laughs> talking her ear off. I apologize for that. Um, but yes, we have a Mora FFA and Agriculture Education Department um, on our Instagram as well as Facebook. And then, of course, I don't know what my Instagram is off the top of my head. And if you can uh, hear, my dog is definitely talking away. Um, <laughs> They do on her, um, the Mora FFA page too. They do post, uh, you guys do a great job of posting um, the trout and what is happening with them and kind of the different projects that students are working on. And it's a really, just a fun way to kind of see the progression of your students um, setting up the tanks and, and the fish in the tanks and feeding and all that great stuff. Absolutely. Thank you. 
Yes. Well, thank you so much. And we are excited for people to get some trout in their classrooms. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Hannah.